Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Setting the Tone Interviews. My name is Elizabeth, and today Daniel, Lauren, and I are delighted to get the chance to sit down with both Ellen Crawford and Mike Genovese. Ms. Crawford played Nurse Lydia Wright, making 113 appearances over the course of 11 seasons, and Mr. Genovese played Officer Al Grabarski, making 12 appearances over the course of 6 seasons. Ellen, Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Very happy to be here, thank you. Thank you. And so let's let's kick it off with a question for both of you. Uh, how did I, how did both of you get your start in acting, and how did you get involved with the art? You're older. You want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I'd uh, been performing since I was a little kid, uh, dancing, and then theater uh, in uh, high school, uh, college, and uh, for years uh, I taught. English, speech, and drama uh, uh, at the college and high school, junior high, elementary school level. And that at one point, after several years of being away from performing, I got involved in some community theater in the town where I was teaching. And uh, shortly after that, I changed jobs and ended up at uh, Webster College in St. Louis. Uh, teaching in the theater conservatory and being a part of the uh, 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 their, their professional uh, repertory theater. And that was in uh, 1969. And from there on, uh, theater. And then eventually I moved to D.C. a couple of years, uh, some more theater. Then I moved back to Illinois, uh, up to Chicago. And uh, once old Mayor Daly died, <laughs> uh, the TV and film business uh, came into Chicago because prior to that, uh, the word was he didn't want any TV or film in Chicago because it would only give Chicago a worse name than it already had because it would always be about crime and corruption. And so, yeah, he died. They closed the lid on his coffin and the door opened to uh, film and television. <laughs> and I started working in Chicago, film and television. And then eventually in 1982-83, moved out to Los Angeles, and on and on and on and on. And the rest, as oh, they say, oh, is oh, history. Oh, oh, oh. And, <laughs> and as far as ER goes, uh, we are to that question. Oh, I thought we were. Okay. Yeah, I was. At, I was. Yeah, we were just wondering how you got involved with ER as well. All right. All right, all right. Um, yeah. So. Um, I uh, was one of the very odd children that knew that I wanted, well, first I wanted to be a ballerina. Um, when I was like three, I asked my mom if I could have dance lessons because I saw it on TV. So I started out as a dancer uh, and then in about fourth grade, I got interested in acting. And especially when puberty hit and I realized I had like little goat legs, really short legs. Uh, <laughs> and I was like kind of popping out in places that ballerinas aren't supposed to be popping out. It was. Obviously, that I could do theater, uh, but I was not indeed going to be a ballerina. Um, but by then, I was really enjoying acting. And I just threw out, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in normal Illinois, where we had two universities, Illinois State, Illinois Wesleyan, both of whom had children's theater programs. And uh, so I was busy doing that. And if they needed a kid in the you know show at college, and that was great. And I was actually going to go stay home. I got the first um, scholarship at Illinois State, um, where I grew up, uh, for theater. Um, and then 
besides that. No, but I, I, uh, I was going to go, and then I went up just to see what a cattle call would be like in um, Chicago for the original Chicago Company of Hair. And I had just graduated from high school. And I really expected them to go, you, 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 no, you out, you know. Um, so I expected it to be a very short day. But instead, we were lined up with 3,500 people around the block just getting appointments. It was a little like getting a vaccine these days. Oh, yes. Uh, long, long line. <sighs> and um, so I got an appointment. I came back up to Chicago. And they kept calling me back. And I, at that time, although I guess politically, um, kind of leaning that way, but I um, very much into my studies and, 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 and theater and, um, and singing. But I had, you know, I had this, for the callbacks, I had this cute little um, pantsuit that was a uh, very nice little um, crepe pantsuit. And I, I'd, I'd set my hair with a roller so it was nice and smooth because I had that curly hair that, that you know, wasn't like the Jane Asher straight hair of the <laughs> 60s. And, and so I went up there and the lake air hit my hair and it just frizzed. And I was like, oh, dear, my hair. And of course they went, oh, you, you're perfect. So, <laughs> um, so I was cast in that original company, which had uh, Joy Montaigne and Stan Shaw and Elena Reed and, and just really wonderful, wonderful people in it. Um, and uh, I, so I was kind of on my way professionally, even before I intended to be. I was, I stayed in that company for a year and then decided to be a backpacking teenager for a little while. Um, and then when I came back, I was gonna go to school. So, uh, but they asked me to go on the national tour. So I did the national tour uh, and we got the national tour. Some of the, the other national tour got like Detroit and Pittsburgh and uh, Cleveland. And we got, we got LA, San Francisco, Hawaii, Alaska. So went wow. the one time that it was crossed paths. It was like, oh, and I grew up in the Midwest. I love the Midwest. I really, I'm big champion to see the parts I hadn't seen. And then uh, meanwhile, I auditioned for Carnegie Mellon because I decided I'd go to professional training school and I got in there. So um, I did my freshman year there and then they called me up and said, hey, your replacement just left in the national tour. Would you like to come? And I said, well, I've got a couple of weeks with finals. Can I come after that? And they said, yeah, we'll push you. So I was very, very fortunate. And then I got to tour some more with the this wonderful tour and then I went back for my we in those days uh they I don't think they do it this way but back in those days with Carnegie Mellon they would bring a bunch of people in and then every year they would cut 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 it was it was pretty difficult so you never really knew if you were coming back the next year too much information I'm sorry anyway so I graduated from there I went through regional uh, did a lot of regional theater I did a show that had a very long uh Two different versions of an off-Broadway company uh, of a show that that had great runs. Both companies finally made it to Broadway, and played for two weeks. But uh, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, do black patent leather shoes really reflect up? Where I played a uh, 104-year-old nun, uh, you know, um, of course, at the age of what, 28, 29, or something. And um, and so I've always kind of played older people a lot when I was 
in fourth grade, I was cast as a witch. You know, <laughs> long blonde hair and big blue eyes. And they said, oh, of course, you're the witch. So that's kind of been my life. But it's more fun. And uh, I've continued and honestly throughout my career, because I've been now a professional actor since high school. Mm -hmm. um, and you just have to kind of go with the wind. And and now I'm doing, you know, theater. Now I'm doing film. I never want to give up theater. But, you know, now I'm doing film. Now I had a wonderful, of course, experience with ER and television, do commercials, you know, like you see even now with Samuel Adams. <laughs> um, and uh, and then I've been doing a Netflix uh, internet uh, English dubbing. So it's kind of like you have to, if you're going to be an actor, first of all, you have to love it because there's no other reason you would do it. It's too hard a way to make a living. If you really love it, then you just have to Go with the wind and change. And by the way, tell them the story about how we have crossed paths. When I was, uh, when I referenced teaching, uh, I was teaching at the time in Macomb, Illinois, uh, high school, junior high, uh, elementary school at the university's lab school, Eastern, uh, Western Illinois University. And because I was the speech and drama teacher. I had uh, my students, you know, going to various competitions around the state for speech and drama contest things. And we found out years later that Ellen uh, was in high school and she was competing against my students <laughs> in those various, uh, you know, contests. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we, we went to visit Mike because I, I stayed in touch with my drama teacher from high school, uh, Mr. Lawrence Connolly, for all those years. Um, I really, he was a fantastic teacher. And, and years and years later, after we'd actually been married quite a while, we went, uh, they were moving from uh, their house into a condo, a little more, a um, little less room, downsizing. And he said, would you like this, this uh, scrapbook from my years, you know, at at University High School. And he was there for five years and I was there for four of those years. I said, of course, and I'm still in touch with a lot of high school friends. So we started looking through the programs and sure enough, there's I'm listed as a as a student and he's listed as a coach and a judge. <laughs> and realized timing is everything. But. That's wonderful. There's This is a couple part question for both of you. Um, how did you get involved with ER? What was what were your respective audition processes like, and did you do anything specific to prepare? I guess I'll go first because um, they sent. Uh, uh, I had pre I previously knew um, John Wells. Well, I knew actually also from Carnegie Mellon alumni, but uh, I knew John Levy from auditions, and I had done an episode of China Beach. Interestingly enough, directed by Mimi Leader, um, and. Uh, so uh, they did know us both from our work. Um, and John Levy knew us both from the casting, directing us both. And originally their idea was, um, you know, I know you had Troy in for a wonderful interview. Mm -hmm. great interview. And they, um, the role he played in the pilot, which was mm -hmm. the cop shot himself in the foot. Mm -hmm. uh, the original uh, scene was that uh, there was a cop and his wife, and when they were arguing, she actually shot him in the foot, oh. as I recall. Huh. And uh, they expected them to be kind of what they called frequent flyers. Well, you guys watch all those episodes, so you know what I mean by frequent flyers. 
Yeah. And, um, and they thought, wouldn't it be fun, because they knew we were married in real life and they liked our work, if they, they were this couple. So they called up and said, we'd like you both to come in for this, this couple. And um, Michael wasn't available. You want to tell him why, Michael? I was in Maui shooting uh, a pilot for Donald Belisario uh, called Crowfoot that uh, went nowhere. Uh, and so I wasn't available. And he was like, he, Donald Belisario called him up and said, hey, do you want to be a series regular on Crowfoot? And he was like, why, sure. And then this call came in and it was like, uh, he's not available. But I read, this is why it's really important. And his wife at the time was an ex-student of mine from Webster College. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay. So, um, at any rate, uh, I, I, I asked for the entire script. And boy, if you can get an entire script, it's really important. And I read it and I went, this Lydia role looks right for me somehow. And um, at that time it was called Lydia Woodward, mm. uh, but, but named after his friend, uh, producer writer, later on, big producer writer on ER, Lydia Woodward, which is why I'm right later after ah. I it. Oh. That's why they had to change it because they brought Lydia on Woodward on board as a producer writer. So writer, producer, whatever. And um, and so I said, when I got in the audition, I was prepared to read that. But I said, I also was wondering, would it be all right if I read for Lydia? And nurse Lydia Woodward. And they went, what a good idea. <laughs> and so I read for that. And literally John's assistant at the time ran down into the parking lot and said, I think you're going to hear something very soon, which was nice to hear. And uh, sure enough, I was cast um, and uh, had just a fantastic time. I was, and the other thing was while I was shooting the pilot, and well, we can talk about that later. Well, I think that you might want to ask about that later, but um, at any rate, he was in Maui and I had what they call a drop pickup where, uh, as you might remember, because it was a two hour pilot, because mm -hmm. it was only a film script by Michael Crichton about Massachusetts general and they changed it to Chicago. You probably know all this stuff. I usually have to explain this and you all know probably a lot more than I do. But at any rate, um, they, uh, I, they had a, you might remember it was the end of my shift and then I had the beginning of my next shift where Helle is filling me in on what I need to know. Um, and well, during that time, which was about two weeks, I had what they call a drop pickup where they can, and I, got on the plane and went to Michael's very fancy schmancy hotel room in Maui and we had a fabulous time. And uh, so I can tell you more about the pilot and that, but that's how that worked out. And then what happened when, when the pilot didn't go, you're part of the story. Uh, how was your audition for this, for ER, Michael? I didn't audition. <laughs> they, 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 uh, 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 John Wells decided that, uh, because there is quite often uh, nurse, police, nurse, mm -hmm. fireman relationships that they should have one of those. And so uh, they called me up and said, uh, we want you to do this role. I went, okay. They didn't even ask me about it. I mean, it wasn't my doing. They just came. Uh. <laughs> 
they were like hey you might have fun working with your husband here you go <laughs> that's perfect so you mentioned the pilot episode i know uh, the obviously the pilot has like you said it's a little bit longer it was filmed in an actual hospital um do you have any specific memories of uh filming the pilot it sounds like there's a very interesting story in there about you going to hawaii during filming of the pilot but we'll get into that um but i guess uh, as you were filming it did you personally have a sense right away that the show would be as impactful or long lasting as it was or was it just like another job we'll see what happens kind of thing I felt it was it was interesting reading it because it read unlike any other show I'd ever read. And then when we started shooting it, because Rod Holcomb is such a good director. And by the way, he gave me my first job in Los Angeles in a film. <laughs> and I, I hadn't worked with him for years, but that was funny. Uh, but I knew it was a really terrific cast. And I knew we were making something very good I have to admit, when I saw the pilot, I was like, I knew we were making something good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. But even when you're making something good, you don't know that it, and in fact, we almost weren't picked up. I think those people who suggested it not be picked up didn't last very long in their jobs. At the moment. <laughs> but um, we, there really was some question about whether we were going to be picked up. And then it was, set, because really, opposite us, and I know I'm getting into something else and I'll get back to shooting it. Opposite us was Chicago Hope, mm -hmm. same exact night. Um, and they had, frankly, more well-known stars. I mean, the biggest star we had was Tony Edwards, Anthony Edwards' cousin Goose, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and George, you know, George was known from some things, but he wasn't, he, he was kind of this, millionaire from all these failed pilots <laughs> I he was doing okay but he wasn't as anywhere near as well known you know obviously even after the pilot but they had quite a few stars in the Chicago Hope and I remember one of the crew members saying oh yeah that's the one to be on that's got all the you know all the stars on it I don't think that crew person lasted but at any rate um but we just, it, it was more, it was a really good show, Chicago Hope, I felt, but it was a lot more of an old fashioned formula mm -hmm. uh, um, or a medical show or um, any one of kind of those procedurals. I thought it was really well done in an older format. And ours was unlike anybody had ever seen uh, because of the quick cuts and, uh, and, and so, I was really happy when they moved to Monday night so that, because the great, the beauty of both shows, being a working actor was that they can employ a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want, I didn't want our community, acting community to lose one of those shows. So I was so happy when we could both be on. But back to how it was to shoot again. I got, I'm just running my mouth here, but. It's okay. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, we were shooting at a, at uh, um, in in Boyle Heights in East LA, and actually the hospital is it Linda Vista Hospital there? Mm -hmm. No, that's not Linda Vista. It's, Something uh, Angels. It, no, it's not that either. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it had the first the first AIDS clinic in that hospital. Oh wow! So um, that was an interesting piece of history. Uh, but we shot in like the basement ER of this old abandoned hospital. And actually sometimes Chicago Hope was uh, uh, shooting in the same hospital. 
but we were pretty much spending our entire time down in a area with no windows of course that was a joke you know when did it start snowing when did it start raining mm -hmm. already you know um but as a result when i went to maui and came back now i don't really tan i turned beige even in hawaii that's about it but but i obviously had been in the sun and i brought back because i thought it'd be really nice chocolate covered macadamia nuts for cast and crew i just bought up all these boxes and I brought them back and I'm passing them out and uh, they were happy. And Sherry Stringfield, I remember we talked about it later. She went, yeah, because I went, I remember looking at people being a little shocked because they kind of looked like the mole people because they hadn't really had any sun for a month. And they were all like tired and, and they'd been living in the dark. But I passed around my chocolate macadamia nuts and Sherry said to me later, yeah, I remember you came back. Chocolate covered macadamia, so we've been down here in the basement, you know. But it was, uh, but I, I, we made magic in the basement, you know, and um, and it was, I think, what was extraordinary even from the beginning is that, uh, and Michael and I have talked about this a lot about what is the success of the show, and I think it was that from the beginning they shot it as a community of people, mm -hmm. and that you learned about individuals through their work in the way that your work connects with your personal life and in the way that your friendships and your um, that kind of established family with people you aren't blood related to uh, mm -hmm. becomes a community and a family. And, and I think that we felt that from the beginning. Um, you know, I had not ever met Yvette Freeman. Uh, we are really like sisters, really family. And, um, and uh, you know, so I think we all had a connection. Nobody was really that famous. So there wasn't a, it was a little more democratic set than a lot of sets are. Uh, and everybody kind of was pulling together and having a good time before we did the pilot, actually, the first time most of us met, uh, they had um, a day where we, we were, uh, instructed, got kind of a tutorial on medical terms and medical procedures. Um, and uh, at that time, Lance Gentile, before he won an Emmy for writing and all that, uh, he was giving us instructions. I remember one of the things he said is, don't ever say, oops. If you make a mistake, you go, there. So, <laughs> so that was, so if you ever hear a doctor go there, you'll go, uh-oh. What happened but um but lance was there to give us instructions primarily and i remember what i remember is walking in and i walked in and first i saw uh i saw noah in his like you know he was like a waiter right he was like what, 21 or something 22 and you probably know better than i and he was in this i vw buck or something i remember it was an old little car his old little actor car, and uh, he was and I, that I met George, walking in to that uh, medical tutorial thing, and it was just like, oh, what a nice guy. Um, and I do remember, oh boy, all these memories come rushing back as I talk. Um, I do remember when they were the last to be cast of that cast, I believe, was Benton. Mm -hmm. And I remember overhearing them talk about people who had auditioned and 
well, I thought he was great, but but they they say they really need like a hunk to play that. Kind of, <laughs> I remember overhearing, and and I remember them saying, but we we already have a hunk. Somebody said, and you won't believe this, but I remember thinking, who? Not because George wasn't great looking, <laughs> regular guy. Right. It wasn't like, ooh, there's the movie star. It was right. like, it was like well, that's just George, you know. Right. Who, by the way, remains that way. Instead, I only worked with him on one movie, but recently, but um, but he was still the same George. So uh, anyway, that's that. But it was it was a great experience, and that's some of my tales from the pilot. So another question for you, Alan. Uh, you had the distinction of having the first lines spoken in the entire series. Um, does that something that holds really special significance for you in retrospect? And how cool was it to actually get to repeat those lines in the series finale as well? First of all, to your first question, absolutely. I mean, it makes you kind of a trivial pursuit question, right? Which is always kind of fun. Uh, and it's uh, it's something I'm very proud of. I Wasn't mean, it a Jeopardy question one time? I don't know that it was Jeopardy. I think somebody said in one of the Trivial Pursuit versions it was a question. Oh, okay. I, right. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, Either one wouldn't surprise. Yeah. So, um, so it's very special. I mean, we were not only, I was not only the first line, but it was the first shot of the first day, first line of the first shot of the first day. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, with interestingly enough yeah the first director i ever worked with in la some years when i arrived in 1983 so yeah um in la so it was very special uh remains very special i'm very proud of it um it's it's a, a wonderful distinction because it's such a historical show it was such an iconic show i think we even won an icon award from the TV level, <laughs> uh, I have it in my living room, um, and uh, and so yeah, it was super special. And then, what was lovely was yeah, I did go away from the show for a while to um, to do some other stuff, and it did make made me laugh because they brought me back, and it was kind of like you just didn't happen to see those shifts, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, I was very touched and moved that that John Wells had. Had, had wanted to write that in as an homage and wanted me in the in the finale. It, that was, it touched me deeply. And what was fantastic about it, besides that homage being very special to me, was, well, you can appreciate this because you saw it over the years. In the first few seasons, we were all together almost all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The nurses were working together almost all the time. And that kind of changed over the years as, yep. as, they, as they shot, you know, smaller scenes and uh, there were breakout stars and things. What was great about that particular finale and that specific scene uh, was that um, we were all together again in like the old days. So we got to not only see each other, but we got to interact with each other on the show the same way we used to. And that was super special. And that Rod Holcomb directed it, because Rod, I love, uh, he's such a brilliant director. And he also is someone who is tremendously respectful mm. of, of his actors and his crew. And um, it was just, it, it, it was really like a, a dream revisited, really. I loved it. 
I got chills. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm a dork. Um, so, Mike, we have one for you. Your character first appears in the seventh episode of the first season and almost immediately enters into a romance storyline with Ellen's character. What are your memories of filming your first episode? Specifically, other than, you know, what appears uh, on camera, uh, I don't have any specific, you know, bing moments. <laughs> uh, just, uh, was, you know, happy to be working. Fair. <laughs> And, and there, and I had already heard about you know Ellen's experience and you know what a what a sort of good time it was. And uh, but uh, no, 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 no real, real you know standout moments in terms of that that first episode. Just that I was happy to be there and I like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> So that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the animal theme continued through several episodes. Mm -hmm. Kind of did, yeah. With dogs and turkeys and. You know. <laughs> do do you both find that it's easier or it either easier or more difficult for you to play off of one another uh, in a situation like that where your characters are intertwined as well? Like, is it are you more comfortable working together on screen or is it, do you prefer to like? work separately is it too awkward to try to do those same things on screen i know what our answer is but we have a good time working together <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we now know each other you know so many years ellen's background was very uh technical going to carnegie mellon and mine was kind of like you know i probably took maybe one acting class you know, in my life. And that was when I was in college. And no, 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 when I was uh, getting a master's at St. Louis University. I think that's the only acting class I ever took. Really? So most of my stuff has been from, you know, doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, not nearly as uh, disciplined as hers. Uh, but over the years, we sort of adopted uh, a lot of each other's techniques and uh it's always very comfortable whether we're doing film or whether we're doing theater or even something like this we like each other a friend of ours a friend of ours robert pine chris pine's father mm. recently said he's we were out talking he said i just realized that I really like my wife of 55 years. We really like each other because, <laughs> because you're here all the time. Because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know. And actually we went through so many different kinds of uh, relationships in a way that we we met when I was still in college, actually. I was working at Arena Stage for uh, in a show in some time. And we met at that time, but just kind of peripherally. Mm -hmm. And um, then we kept running into each other every every. Because because we were uh, we, we we were on the Midwest uh, regional theater circuit. So mm. we kept running into each other. St. Louis, Kansas City, Chicago. Every time we'd run into each other, we'd get to know each other a little better. Um, we were like casual friends, then better friends, then. He and a guy by the name of John Cothran that you may know. He was the the president on the last ship, and he's. He was in, uh, uh, anyway, 
he, the three of us were like best friends. We were like, you know, three musketeers. And then something happened and uh, we had to, I had to make a choice about whether, whether this, we would stay around each other as friends or take a little break or something would change. So the rest is history. And, um, but in that, so we knew each other as actors before we worked together and people didn't warn us. They were like, oh, I don't know. Cause you, you know, you're really, you went to Carnegie Mellon and you're all very about all that training. And he's like, you know, Mr. Wildman on stage. And I don't, I don't know. And what actually happened, as he said, was when we worked together, we kind of learned from each other. Some of we borrowed from each other and I got looser as a performer and he became, I suppose you could say more disciplined. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Oh, no, no. Not that I ever <laughs> Oh, no. And, uh, and then we worked together. Uh, and the first time we worked together, we didn't really have scenes together, but we did, uh, oddly uh, enough, uh, the kind of, it's an odd play to fall in love in, uh, Pinter's Old Times um, together. And, and we loved working together. We really it just kind of was magical. And, and so since then, you know, we, we did, who's great at Virginia Woolf, a couple of productions of that, loved it. Uh, actually the second production we did at San Diego Rep and then I brought it to Noah cause he has the blank theater in Los Angeles. Mm. And I said, would you be interested? We're not, we kind of feel like we're not done doing this play yet. Uh, <laughs> would you be interested? And doing it, he said, well, normally, you know, we do all new plays or we can do uh, a new concept of uh, an established play. And when he kind of read the reviews of our play, though we didn't set out to do something that different, apparently we did. And um, and he said, yeah, we could, we could do it. So we did it in Los Angeles also for quite a few months here. So yeah, we love working together. We've done it film, television, theater, we never did a commercial together. No, no. <laughs> There's your new goal. <laughs> uh, so, Ellen, obviously one of the signatures of the series was, like, those fast, super fast-paced, kind of controlled chaos trauma scenes. What was your experience the first time you were thrust into one of those? Well, you know, that also changed over time because... It, <laughs> In the beginning, they kind of did, you know, just move around the gurney. There weren't, wasn't as specific a blocking. Mm -hmm. And what was great about our cast during the pilot was that um, if you look at our cast, most of us were uh, were musical theater performers. So we were, all had dance experience. So we really were, we, you know, we had this sense of how to move around <laughs> each other spatially. And did that it was almost like a little improvisation and i we did have patients who would look up and go it's like watching a dance <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really fun it was fun and um and you had and you also of course were keeping a sense of where the camera was and it was an interesting challenge i will say that it could be very tedious and i when i would have people that would come to visit on set sometimes you know sometimes they you'd ask if you could for example make it uh something in a, a fundraiser that they could come for a set on the visit you could get approved right. and you'd have people come expecting those scenes to just be like they saw them <laughs> on TV. and of course uh it was a million shots you know you're taking like 
hours and hours to shoot three minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you put it all together. And especially if you have Mimi Leader, who is very detail-oriented, and she would you know, shoot everybody's POV and, and you know, the POV looking down on the patient, the POV of the, you know, <laughs> of the scalpel, you know. So um, it took time, but you could see how magnificent the result is because they had everything to cut together and all that detail that really pushed the thing. But, of course, you didn't have the music. You, you had the excitement when you were doing it. Um, but it, it took a very long time. And the most terrifying of those, anytime, whether it be the pilot or anytime into uh, the series, were the very long winners. You know, mm-hmm. you have like an eight pa- page winner. It is terrifying to have the last one. I just went to like, <laughs> terrifying. Because if you mess, you, you have to start all over again. Right. Everybody really has to be on their toes. And, um, but, you know, it's very satisfying, especially, you know, when we had Guy B on, um, Guy B was the camera operator, now he's a director, but at that time, very young uh, camera operator who was a master with the Steadicam. And uh, what I loved about working with Guy B was he was a storyteller uh, with the Steadicam. And he, you could tell that he had, he felt that if you were in the room, you were important. Therefore, you deserve to be on film. If you're part of the story, you're part of the story. And he would like look at a scene and figure out when everyone should be part of that story. So you didn't ever have to feel like you. I, I always re- was able to be relaxed and act a scene with him because I knew he'd catch it all. Mm-hmm. That's a good feeling. That's a real collaborative joy. Um, and and by the way, we they they did frame this letter he was sent by the inventor of the Steadicam, thanking him for the way he was using the Steadicam. Because you might remember that the earlier shows like uh, Law and Order and stuff, it was that 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 kind of uh, uh, what's yeah, that? Yeah. Hill Street Blues. I'm sorry, it was uh, Hill Street Blues, not Law and Order. It was that that the the style of the show was that kind of quick, like you're doing a news story or something mm-hmm. here we're gonna and it was a lot jerkier he was so happy about how smooth the steadicam was this inventor that he wrote a personal letter which and i loved it that they they framed it and hung it on the stage so everybody could see it but yeah so guy b your steadicam operator and your director had a lot to do with how happy you were doing those trauma scenes when i first came to uh i i, I my first job in los angeles can't remember the name of the show. Uh, 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 James Arness's brother. Uh, 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 James Arness. James Arness. Uh, it, uh, it was a, some sort of detective show. And the director was Corey Allen. Corey Allen was the actor in uh, Rebel Without a Cause who got his cuff caught in the door handle in the drag race and went over the cliff and died. Well, Corey became a director. And the first show that I did when I first came to Los Angeles, Corey was directing. I knew him from Chicago because he had directed there. And he would set up these long shots. And it was, as far as I could tell at the time, so this was like 1982. I mean, it was such a lugubrious process 
crews not particularly understanding what he wanted. And they were having to like, you know, hide lights because he'd go down the hallway and then turn around and come back. <laughs> and, and, and the whole process of, of the setup was just like, oh my God, so intense. But by the time, you know, I was around ER and, you know, these, that, that crew and those directors and, and the producers, they had figured it out. Even though it still took a long time to shoot the scene, it didn't take as long to set, to set the technical part up. Mm-hmm, right. Part of what it had to do with, they were always in the, you know, the same location. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's just something I thought of while Ellen was talking about the long wonders. I do remember one time we were getting ready to do this big, big uh, long wonder, and it involved a woman, who, a young woman who was supposed to be like frothing at the mouth. And so they, they said, okay, and you know, rolling, and they put this uh, hydrogen peroxide in her mouth. And then they said, hold the roll. <laughs> and meanwhile, yeah. she's just got all this foam coming out of her mouth. They like, can't hold the roll. Oh. But anyway, the funny things that happen in runners. And Mike, you actually almost segued perfectly into our next question for you, which was having appeared in many different film and TV series, how would you compare and contrast the atmosphere of ER set with others you've worked on? It was whenever I was there, and mostly from you know hearing then also Ellen's experience. Everybody came to work and knew their job and knew what the end result was supposed to be. It functioned, go back to what Ellen was saying earlier about the early years, that there was such a family feeling in terms of all of these people working together. And it wasn't just the cast, it was the crew as well. And, and, and the, you know, the whole sort of production staff. So that, so that everybody, everybody who was there and if they didn't sort of get into the rhythm and they became a problem, uh, it was taken care of. And, uh, and, and even when it was taken care of, as I recall, it was never a big deal. It was like, you know, okay, uh, you know, you have to be traded to Chicago Hope. I'm sorry because, you know, you know, no, no big deal. You know, you just don't fit because we've got this product that we're doing that is like, you know, you know, pick them up, put them down and we can't have any, you know, anybody getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting in the way, it's not your fault necessarily, but we got to move on. And that's that's what it always felt like. And and whenever whenever I went to work on those twelve episodes, I mean, it was always like you know you're there to do a job, and uh, you know, fit in, because because a lot of times as an actor, that's that's a problem with you know, especially a show that's been running for a while, is how you sort of fit into the rhythm of what that production has you know set up for itself over the seasons that it's been going on. And, 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 and ER, John Levy, John Wells, they were very successful, you know, most of the time in getting actors and crew who sort of fit into the group and like that. 
we shot a lot more pages than most television yeah. shows oh, yeah. per day. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you have somebody who comes in and is used to film, it's like a whole different world in television <laughs> anyway. But, but yeah, we shot a lot more pages yeah. per day. Yeah. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, one of the, so with us going through kind of week by week, episode by episode, we're kind of, we've learned over three plus seasons of doing this now that we're, we're finding more and more stuff in the background to really enjoy and catch up on, especially now that we're able to see it in like HD and on big television stuff that probably as, as you guys were filming it, um, they never expected anybody was going to be seeing. Um, but some of the stuff that we've enjoyed the most has been, um, stuff from you Ellen kind of in the background of scenes uh stuff like just like a little little eyebrow raise or a look to the not directly to the camera but you know just even if you're not necessarily involved how much of that was stuff that was in the script you know directed for you to do or how much of that was just kind of improvisation on your part most of it was was just me I have to say that I most of the time admittedly I was aware where the camera was <laughs> I was aware I might be on camera and I you you try to do it in a, in a time that's appropriate and not inappropriate because that's not a way to make sense but um it was something that really just developed I mean if you look at Lydia Woodward on the page in the pilot there's there's not that much you know uh but when Tony and I were working together Tony Edwards and I were working together it became it, this thing developed where he always borrows a pen, you know, and I think it may have been a line in the thing, but we kind of made it into a thing where he always wanted to borrow my pen. He never, you know, it was, it became, yeah, okay. I mean, it was like a little thing that developed during the pilot. Um, uh, there was, um, being from the Midwest, um, I also had a, a real, you know, idea of who this woman was, frankly, and, and it was fun reacting to things the way I felt she or I would react to something. Mm -hmm. So all that stuff was very little of that, I would say, is, was written on the page. Then they started creating stuff like that on the page. <laughs> but they, you found that they did that in general. Somebody was was um, was into something, um, well, like Eric LaSalle was in martial arts, so obviously you've got that iconic moment for him. <laughs> but... Um, but I think one time I mentioned cross-country skiing and then in the next episode, I was like talking about cross-country skiing. I mean, they would do that if they got to know you were enjoying something. Tell them about the uh, the woman at the uh, negotiating uh, when you were doing the contract negotiation for... Uh... Oh. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I was in a TV theatrical negotiation for a second after because I'd been active on the, their boards for about 11 years now. and. Um, and uh, yeah, the woman who was in, in charge of, uh, who was kind of leading negotiations for management for the producers, we were all, you know, at the end of it, you go along and you all shake hands. And, and, uh, and I said, well, thank you very much. And she said, oh yeah, I saw you looking at me. I know those looks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw some of those looks sometimes. I got some of those looks. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny. Uh, and I said, okay. Uh, but uh, so that was fun. Yeah, had a nice sense of humor about it. And I actually, at that time, was not aware that she was looking at me, giving her. Look. I was just kind of probably reacting to whatever I was hearing. And, yeah. and 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 the problem is that she 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 gets to practice a lot of that at home. 
You've had a few of those looks at you over the forty plus years. Yeah, me, me and the dog, me and the dog. <laughs> well, it. I just have to say, it pays off because sometimes on some of those episodes, that's one of our highlights. Is just when we're like, "Oh my God, look what Lydia just did!" And it's just there's there's such a joy to discover in HD in the background where we'll, we'll keep an eye. Thank you so much. Because you, you slip in those things not knowing, honestly, whether you if you're doing them on stage or on a theater stage or on the screen you never there you're a little secret moments that you don't know if anybody's going to catch and so it's always such a treat when somebody <laughs> oh oh we catch them they're great <laughs> no, no, I, was, I forget what episode i was watching yesterday and it might have been the red buttons episode or it was the uh, john uh, john randolph john randolph episode but it was it was the POV over the bed up to the uh, you know uh, triage counter and I don't know who was all the way in the back but whoever was <laughs> all the way in the back was like whatever that reaction was was like yep and everybody coming forward into the foreground were dealing with you know that that same 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 emotion, same intensity. It was like, damn. And that was the concentration of that company, yeah, really. Yeah. Everybody, of course, when you were doing the uh, live show, everybody really had to be, even if if, if you, they weren't in your room, you didn't know if they might pop in. And they're, they're, right, you right. really had to be, uh, with the exception of hearing Bill Macy's stories about his bachelor party, we had to really be, <laughs> we had to really be concentrating on what we were doing. So. Um, so as we alluded to earlier your characters had an on-screen wedding in season in the season three episode eight uh union station what was it like to film this and are people and you know are general people and fans ever shocked to discover that you two are married in real life last last part of the question yes uh first part of the question uh uh it was a fun episode and it was you know not just because we were getting married, but because it was, you know, Sherry Stringfield's, you know, last episode. But we didn't know that. But we didn't know that at the time. And uh, it was fun because George Clooney was at his wackiest that day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, whether, I don't know if you know the story or not, but Ellen will tell you the wedding dress. Oh yeah, the, one of the highlights, George's highlights of that day of the wedding episode was seeing how many, because the you might recall, it was one of my favorite lines I got to say, which I'm, take, I'm, I'm returning this fake virgin outfit, I think was my yeah. line. <laughs> and, um, but it was like a big dress. It was much bigger than my wedding. It was more, you know, yeah. with a big long train, right? I mean, fairly long train. And George's delight that day was seeing how many objects he could place on my train without me catching him. <laughs> I got up like three coffee cups, something else, and a phone before I caught him and went to move and went. What? So, oh yeah, he was wacky. He was wacky, wacky for sure. Um, and it was, you know, it was it was great fun. I mean, it was people have often asked me, were you 
were you married before that? Did you meet on the set? It was like, oh no, we've been married since <laughs> we married in 1982. So before all of you were born. Up um, in Highland <laughs> Park. Yeah. In, 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 up in Highland Park in Sunset Park. Illinois. We went, the reason why you brought that up is that we went, went one time, some of us to a fundraiser, uh, raising money for a new ER. And it was, um, and the young people in charge of that fundraiser in Chicago, in Chicago um, were all these young kids that were from Highland Park, but they were in their twenties. But when we started, oh yeah, we, we were married in Highland Park. And they said, where? And we said, Sun Sunset Woods Park. And they went, oh, where? Because we got married in a public park. And we said, they said, did you get married? All of a sudden they were like 10 years old. They went, did you get married by the rocket ship? <laughs> no, we got married. And they described the place, the kind of bladed area where we got married. They went, oh, you got married in the scary woods. I said, that's exactly right. <laughs> getting married is getting married in scary woods. Uh, we went back. We went back a couple of years later. We happened to be in Chicago for our anniversary, and we went. Back, we went back to the park, and the tree that we got married under was dead. Uh oh, it sucked all the energy out of it. Well, because the guy who married us put his hand on the tree and said, "May all of the energy." Industry going to this marriage and apparently it worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. One of the things. One of the things about the. Uh, one, one of the things about the marriage uh, 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 scene was that uh, I forget who the editor was. He had to, as I recall, oh, remember. Yeah, it was Kevin, I think, and he said, he said they were like, well, you know. Uh, too long and he said i refuse to do a, a episode of a wedding where i do not do close-ups of the bride and groom and feature the bride and groom we can't we have to we have to feature them because at first somebody uh, that was in the upper echelons was like oh don't spend so much time on them and he's like no i'm sorry i i have i have to edit the bride and this is gonna happen so so there we were i forget did i cry in that scene i i i don't remember. I don't think I did. He really did it our own wedding. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mother thought he was having a heart attack. Marriage vows. And everybody else was, oh, isn't that sweet? And my mother was like, she knew his father had, had died early from a heart attack. And all she said, all I could think was, oh, dear God, let him make it through the wedding. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh. Just too emotional, and we got through it. We got through it. We both got through it. But it was a good episode. It was great. It was. I had so much fun to do. So, Ellen, we know during your time on the show, you and some of the other nurse cast got to speak at national nursing conferences. What was this experience like for you, and what kind of feedback did you get from the actual nurses about the show? Wow, that was quite, that was kind of a three year experience for me personally. Um, the only one that that was a three-year experience for, but it was a two-year experience. Um, originally, we were approached by. Well, first, let me say that Neil Bear uh, at, at, was not only a writer producer, but he also um, was was at that time a doctor at Children's Hospital. Oh, so he was. Uh, and, and by the way, all those writers, I never knew there were 
it was like a club of writers that are also ER doctors. I mean, that was, was uh, that, that if we had uh, um, like John Fong, rest his soul, because a few couple of years ago, we were all at his funeral, terrible to have to get together for that, but great guy, ER doc, but also had a film degree, Lance Gentile, doctor, film degree. You know, there was, there's, I guess because it's Los Angeles, you do have people that have those multiple degrees, and those were the people that they tapped. Sudi Zahn, who was a nurse, was a wonderful uh, consultant for a while. Uh, but most of the time, they had people who had both um, film degrees and uh, and also um, were doctors. And so in the beginning, there was, I don't know if you've heard this, but there was a concern um, that by the Emergency Nurses Association about halfway suicide. They were they were very concerned. They didn't want it to. Um, they didn't want people to think of nurses in that way. They were concerned that they thought, oh, they're going to think nurses are drug addicts. They're very concerned about their uh, reputation and how people think of them, even though that can be a difficulty. So they were they were concerned about how that would be handled moving forward. And by the way. You probably know this, uh, um, but Hathaway and the pilot is not going to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had to re reshoot like the Babinski and that sort of stuff so that she didn't have brain damage anymore. Um, I think Petra had, who was a nurse in the very beginning, had all those those scenes that were like, nope, that's not going to happen. Because um, she tested so well. Everybody wanted her to come back. So, and obviously they were, you know, an Emmy later, they realized they had probably made the perfect choice, right? <laughs> not even, yeah. not even just the Emmy, but you know, she was so wonderful in the show. So um, the Emergency Nurses Association was in contact with the producers, and Neil Bear was, I think, very instrumental in making sure that he had that relationship so that nurses were one of the rare times on television really depicted the way they really are. Uh, and uh, I mean, medicine in general, but nurses. Mm -hmm. um, and he was very, very much in touch with uh, the leaders of the Emergency Nurses Association. Well, they invited Juliana and I to come to these, in San Antonio, they had uh, ENA Scientific Assembly, which is basically their convention. And we went, um, she and I, and uh, mostly, you know, attended events, attended classes, at one point, got a massage in the mall. Got <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> massage in the mall, uh, but we, um, you know, we did that visit, and then uh, out of that, the critical care nurses had invited us to come to New Orleans for their convention, and Juliana was not available, but I went, and I, I was asked to speak then at that time. And I thought, well, okay, well, I guess I'm going to speak about what, and uh, because I knew the kind of how careful they were being with nurses, to talk about what and how effective it had been to be in contact with real nurses associations and try to depict nurses in the best possible way, and how we um, how we did the makeup, uh, the moulage to to make it look like gunshot wounds, and just basic kind of insider information about how we make tried to make it look as real as possible. And so I gave that little speech, and um, and then 
And then we, we were, I was invited to go to the American Nurses Association uh, convention in Washington, DC. And Connie Marie went with me then, Connie Marie Brazelton. And we were supposed to give uh, a speech. And, um, and so we each wrote a speech and then brought them together. Um, you know, we kind of went back and forth speaking. And it was a very odd situation because we had the other speakers were uh, Sarah Brady, whose husband was oh right very, very much uh, having to do with gun safety, and you know her husband was almost killed in assassination. So Sarah Brady was speaking, and then the keynote speaker was Coretta Scott King, and I was like, "What are we? The after dinner mint? What? <laughs> oh my on the oh my on the speaking program is a little terrifying." Um, but we did give our speech, kind of dovetailed, worked it together. And there was a man who uh, was the editor of Nursing Spectrum. Uh, and he liked our speech so much, he asked if he could print it in that journal. So we said, well, sure. So he printed that. And then from there, I was invited over a period of three years to speak at many, many nursing uh, conventions or meetings or uh, conferences. I, at one time, believe it or not, gave a speech that, that nurses actually got continuing education credits for, which oh, kind wow. of made me chuckle. But, but I did do a lot. I, I will say it was very special time for me because I did, you know, I think one of the reasons why I like being an actor is because I like being a perpetual student and you always have to learn new things. And I did a lot of research. And also, as I came to know nurses personally, I met like Mario Shields that I met back in San Antonio. She and I are still friends uh, from Chicago, actually. Um, An ER nurse. ER nurse. She's she's a Southsider. So she was a I was a Cubs fan. She was a anyway. Uh, and um, but I learned from them, and uh, and I did a lot of actual research to try to, as a layperson, understand what was going on and what it morphed into was, if you care about how nursing is, is depicted in the media, here's how you can get involved. And so I had done research about who they could write, what they could do, that there was a show that was actually taken off the air because nurses were so, had this letter writing campaign, they were so outraged, you know, as nurses having sex everywhere in the hospital and you know they were just that's just not what we do um i said you know you can be effective if you care and um and i learned so much i mean i learned things like uh for a while some of the kind of what i'd like to call bean counters you know the people who are just responsible for hospital administration and budget were saying well why can't we have some of the janitorial staff uh why can't they take care of the bedpans? And because the nurses go, because there's information in the bedpan, that's why. And they didn't know that, but it was, and, and they would wear like these tags so you wouldn't know whether that was a nurse or not. You know, there were those movements to save money that became dangerous for patients. And, and it was learning those kinds of things and speaking as a layperson saying, I'm learning this, please, you know, get out there and teach all of us these sorts of things we should know. And, and, and here's some ways that you can 
have something to say about how you're depicted. Because I have to say what was so special about those three years for me is that I was so deeply moved by how passionate and dedicated nurses are uh, to their work. That if they go on strike, for example, it's always about nurse patient ratio. It's all, always about patient care. Mm -hmm. That is their bottom line. And they are truly uh, angels in my, in my opinion, um, spent no, no more, uh, as much, certainly we all see that every day these days, uh, but they are really astounding people. And that was very special for me in the way I played my character, but also me as a human being realizing how important those people are to us. And how did people react? I will tell you that we had, I, one of my favorite stories is that we would meet, of course, all kinds of doctors as well. And there was a doctor who told me that they would be uh, discussing uh, on Friday mornings, they would have a meeting to discuss the ethics of the hospital that they were working in. And he said, but we realized that there was no way we could start that discussion until we talked about the ethics that we watched the night before in ER. Because <laughs> that's what everybody wanted to talk about first. Right. So talk about that and then they move on. And then there was a time when I took Michael to the ER early on before everybody was watching it. And that was funny also because one of our pop guys was also an, uh, a paramedic. So we ran into, hey, John, how you doing in the real, in the real hospital? Because um, he had cut his hand. And, and what the doctor on call said, the ER doc said, uh, she said, well, um, you know, I have to start watching that show because I realize now every Friday morning, somebody's going to come in with something that they saw on the show that they think they have. <laughs> so uh, we really, and the other thing I learned from my time during those three years was that ER docs and nurses, those schools, the enrollment for emergency medicine and emergency nursing shot up like, I don't know, 100% or something. So. That's my little report on my three years. And, and, and coincidentally, I can't say specifically historically that nurses over the years, uh, starting before ER, I don't remember, but certainly in conjunction with ER and the whole thing Ellen's talking about nursing, the nurses unions and associations have become so much of a power in this country and are able to, uh, you know, wield a lot of influence to the point where, uh, who was it, Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was running for governor, uh, was like labeling nurses as like special interest groups. And well, I, police, firefighters, and nurses. Yeah, and, 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 and he gave a speech one time in Ohio, and uh, he had a, you know, a whole sort of group of nurses show up and give him a hard time about stuff like that. A, a woman that I grew up with in St. Louis, Roseanne DeMauro, was for years the executive director of, first of all, the California Nurses Association, and then later on, uh what's the national American is it 
national nurses. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just just uh, the power, the power that nurses have given given their motives, you know, makes it makes it especially, you know, and 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 those 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 first several years when ER had more nurse uh, consultants mm -hmm. or and and wh where they were using more real nurses, we had real nurses, real nurses as part of the acting, you know, group, whether they had lines or not. They were real nurses. And uh, you know, again, Ellen is still friends with a couple of them yeah. and checks in on them regularly. They, they worked down at uh, L.A. County and uh, they had to, uh, you know, within the last several months, uh, one or both of them had to deal with COVID, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I guess. What they loved about our show, and, and I, did, I, had had, I have had people say uh, that met me that are nurses, oh, I would, I would feel so comfortable with you on my floor. And I go, well, you'd be silly because I would not know what I was doing. <laughs> but thank you very much. I'm glad you felt that. Um, but they loved our show. You know, I mean, honestly, I don't think when it was originally a film script, there were necessarily names for the nurses. Mm -hmm. They were like one nurse, two nurse, three. And traditionally, you might know in a lot of scripts, it's um, it's all about the doctors, you know, and what ER became. And I think a lot of that had to do with Neil Barron, his uh, association with actually talking to real nurses. I love that line. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to get it right. Uh, when Mark Green says is talking to Carter and he says the secret of success get get good nurses and nod sagely is what <laughs> but I think something line like that and nurses love that because they do know a lot you know mm -hmm. um, and the, it's a very different job and I also something I found very interesting was when they I guess it's okay to tell this I, I don't think Juliana would mind me telling this but when they wanted to make Juliana a doctor and, you know, there was that thing where she was in school. And I remember her saying, because she and I had both gone, you know, to the ENA convention together, and we had both come up going, uh, talking to a lot of nurses, real nurses and nurses on the set. And she said to them, why would you make me a doctor when I have built a character around a person who's a nurse? Mm -hmm. It's a very different personality, very different skill set. Right, right. Um, it's more hands-on, more nurturing in a very different way. And then, you know, she, of course, had the thing where she said, I want to be a nurse. Is that okay with you? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I really appreciated that because she understood what it meant to be a nurse. And it's, it's not like you're less than, oh, I'm sorry, you couldn't be a doctor. It's no, I want to be a nurse. You know, mm -hmm. that's so uniquely important in its own way to be a nurse. And, and one of the interesting things was that uh, over the years, as the show developed and went longer and longer, it was always interesting to see uh, uh, more doctors in an ER situation than nurses. Mm -hmm. So you'd have a couple of nurses and six doctors. You know, it was like, uh, where does that come from? <laughs> That's very true. Didn't think about, about that. that. Uh, so switching gears just a little bit, uh, this is, I guess, kind of a question for both of you. No, obviously Ellen, you'll have more, probably a bigger pool to draw from here, but were there any, um, 
there were obviously a lot of guest stars that passed through the show over the years. Were there any that stu- stood out to you as particularly memorable or that were particularly enjoyable for you to have around on set, uh, ones you enjoyed working with more than others? Well, I remember when uh, when I was listening to Troy's, I agree with him. Uh, Sally Field was just, I mean, she was lovely to work with. She's a, a true pro, fantastic actress. She was really, really terrific to watch. But I, it's very interesting. I'm this star stars, people who are famous. Um, I, I, it was it was a thrill to be on, on set with Rosemary Clooney, who of course mm-hmm. was also oh, George's aunt, <laughs> <laughs> but to have her and hear her sing on set and, and that was, ex- and the other star, I was, I didn't work with him so much, but Alan Alda, my mother, uh, while she was still living was, she was not a person who was easily starstruck. I mean, she, she was completely in awe of Alan Alden. I was able to introduce her to him. And that was a big thrill for me. I only wish I could have, my father died when I was 20, or I would have loved to have introduced him to Bob Newhart, who was one of his favorites mm. from, his, from his comedy album days. Uh, but at any rate, but I think what, oh, and also I know somebody who's really an extraordinary person. Uh, and I know people were very excited to work with, uh, was Bea Richards who played Benton's mother. Uh, Yes. You know, very, very, uh, probably most people know her from Guess uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but uh, also um, she was uh, in the original cast of Raising the Sun on Broadway. She was a poet and activist. She was a really extraordinary force. So it was very special to have her in that role. Um, But I think what I most felt when I when I looked at that question was and I went back to watch the pilot specifically to find out because I couldn't remember who did this role and it's like three minutes long or something and uh it, it's in the pilot Mr. Kennelly who finds out his father is, is dead mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark Green tells him in a very you know caring way because uh, he's what what's going on with my father and he you might recall he attacks him and you son of a bitch and he starts beating on him and then he falls in his arms weeping uh, I, I get teary just thinking about it i got teary i cried again when i watched it uh again i've kept that in my mind not that i've watched the pilot anything i watched it recently but i kept that in my mind all these years since 1994 as one of those bing moments where it was just so beautiful and i was like who was it? I looked it up actually yesterday because I, I didn't know who it was. It was uh, Jay Leggett, who you may know this, but he was a writer producer on um, of Employee of the Month, which is a film with uh, Matt Dillon and Christina Applegate, and he was <laughs> a writer on Without a Paddle, which was uh, um, a Seth Green film. And then he, I guess, he was known as a comedian, interestingly enough. Hmm. Uh, he was on in living color and um and and but the thing was that i thought it was just one of those i i was curious what happened to him he unfortunately passed away uh at the age of 50 uh in 2013 i think they said yeah 2013 but it was just one of those bing moments just pure clarity of that moment and it was so tiny it was a tiny moment and I thought about that, and I thought that is what to me is so special about ER was you had a great cast, 
but you had all these little vignettes with magnificent performers. Mm -hmm. I mean, really performances that were just knocked you out. Um, and I started thinking about who those were in that same pilot, uh, Miguel Ferrer gave a beautiful performance. Uh, who, George's cousin, as a matter of fact. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, I remember Lucy Liu before she was famous did a beautiful guest star. Uh, Vondi Curtis Hall in, broke my heart in that first season, especially that um, in that role. Um, and uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as Patrick was a fun character, recurring. And I mean, fortunately, before when they had the first like uh, award for a guest star role, um, Colleen Flynn won. Mm -hmm. that was before everybody started okay what big huge star can we put in for a little thing and we can win an emmy for that you know but she won uh one of the first ones and she was jody o'brien the mother that dies yep. mm -hmm. um i thought uh she was great kathleen wilhoyt uh as chloe was magnificent throughout uh i had great fun personally working with mary mara who was loretta uh, and so you look at all of those, uh, uh, Brett Jennings had a wonderful uh, role as a, uh, he was a janitorial service, wise, amazing actor. Um, I mean, so many people that I think that is what made ER special because it was the entire company and that focus on those, those human beings that come in and out of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tony Edwards used to say, yes, ER is the root of the pay of television. Everyone does ER. Everybody can be there at one time or another. Um, but I think that's what really made sense. But I'll tell you one of the other um, performances that knocked me out. The after, probably the second one I thought of after Jay Leggett as Mr. Canelli is John Randolph. And I was looking for that. I actually rewatched that episode too because I remember watching him. He was uh, Mr. Franks in day one when his his uh, he's very elderly and his wife. Husband. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was one of the first ones that really got to us. I cried so hard when we rewatched that one. It gave me chills to think about it. John Randolph, of course, uh, is pretty legendary in the theater community as well as the film community, as well as the activist community in the union, uh, as a union activist as well. Uh, but watching, I didn't, wasn't in that scene, but I got to watch him work. That's what you got to do. It was like going to school every day with some of those actors uh, being on that ER set, because that, watching him work, you look at that performance and it, 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 there's so much there. It's, it, I mean, he goes into so many, so many roads mm -hmm. and then just breaks your heart. Um, just that is the the real guest star performance that I went that. That's the one that made me I really learned so much from. Um, I have a funny story about guest star. Oh, please. Is, yeah, please. Um, <laughs> is that uh, there's so, there were sometimes if you're a, like a, a student of the theater uh, that you maybe know some people that other people don't uh, or you're more familiar with them. And there, I don't know if you remember this episode, and I can't remember which episode it was, 
there was an elderly woman, uh, a psych patient who was running around naked. Yes. yes. Well, I looked at the call sheet and went, Judith Molina, oh my. Because Judith Molina and Julian Beck founded the uh, pretty much the first ex major experimental theater. And I just looked it up because I was curious why. I, I thought of it in the 60s, but they actually founded it in 1947. Wow. Wow. And it was still going, you know, and the Living, uh, living Theater. And um, they were experimental. They did really, really some wild stuff. And, uh, and Judith Molina, of course, was without most of the uh, inhibitions, say, that a lot of women her age might have. <laughs> And 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 I was just oh Miss Molina welcome I'm just so it's such a, a, a honor to have you here of course nobody else kind of you know, was you know an older lady playing a naked lady but <laughs> Judith Molina I'm not saying everybody there are some right but the crew you know so they she would finish her scene and they would give her a robe and she'd go oh no I'm fine and they're like. <laughs> No, please, Ms. Molina, put on the rug. No, really, I'm fine. No problem. No, please. <laughs> they just, they didn't know quite what to do with that. And mm -hmm. I loved it. She's like, no, nah, fine. They that's, would eventually put on the rug. So please put on the rug. That's goals. I want to be like that when I grow up. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting closer, but I. Uh, anyway, that oh, was, that's so good. That's wonderful. Uh, so, Ellen, being that you were on the show for so many years, were there any moments or scenes that you were present for that stand out as particularly memorable? Um, like maybe moments where you knew you were watching just really something special as it was being filmed that maybe kind of touched on a couple of the guest stars, but, you know, maybe just with the main cast as well. I think we knew Love's Labor Lost was going to be a great episode. I think we all knew it making it. I mean, aside from you may have seen the 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 b-roll when they had the demon baby did you see that no i have not seen this no. No. i mean first of all i mean could it be more serious that <laughs> right special it was um but <laughs> but the makeup man werner kepler uh, had been on i think the series was b and he still had the alien baby which was <sighs> this blue like baby with teeth and stuff and Nobody was in on it except for Tony Edwards and and I think a, uh, the prop guy and Werner. And they, when they're trying to uh, to deliver the baby, and right. they go, coming, it's coming, it's blue. And, <laughs> and Tony lifted out the baby and went, Rah! and everybody's face and <laughs> everybody screamed. <laughs> I think so. Uh Maybe he took that on the Tonight Show one time and showed it, but it was, that was funny. That, that they got that, and that of course was in our our Christmas role that we got to watch as well. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> but in the midst of all that seriousness and all that pain, it was a much needed, <laughs> a much needed relief. Um, so I think Love's Labor Lost, I, I also, a personal favorite of shooting uh, was, the healers. Mm -hmm. I think I think learning the truth about burn victims in that way and mm -hmm. knowing I mean knowing in real life that you've got firefighters who come back and 
there's nothing you can do but make them as comfortable as possible. And knowing that our characters, not only did we know they weren't going to make it, but we knew that they knew. Mm -hmm. We knew Raul knew he wasn't. So that and that scene we had afterwards in Dr. Vu's where we're just telling, trying to tell stories. And I think we've all lived that where we're trying to remember the good times and are so deeply, deeply grief stricken. Um, that was a special one to me. Um, yeah, I think those were the ones where I really felt I was part of something very special. And particularly Love's Labor Lost, you could. Well, Mimi directed both of those, actually. But, uh, and the other one that was maybe not not in the same way uh, special um, was when we worked with Quentin Tarantino. Mm. And that was fascinating, and I'll tell you why. Because it's, if you, my experience working with him was, it's like he's got the, the excitement and the, the giddy excitement of like a 12 year old boy, but he's surgical in the way he shoots. I mean, he knows exactly what he wants. He shoots, if he shoots it, you know he's gonna use it. That's kind of how he works. But at the same time, he's going, oh, this is gonna be so cool. It's gonna be so great. You know, <laughs> you all that kind of bouncy, kind of wild manic energy. And then he shoots and you've got, you say, he's mastered. He's just, He's brilliant about knowing exactly what he wants. And and uh, when we were um, we were having lunch over in the you know cafeteria, not the fancy restaurant we always ate at the cafeteria, <laughs> Chinese chicken salad almost every day for me. But uh, and it was so funny because Quentin was just wandering around with this tray, and I said, "Would you like to sit with us?" And he went, "Yeah, sure." So he sat down, and I just said to him, "You're cutting in the camera, aren't you?" And he went, "Yeah, you know." And then I had the opportunity to talk to talk because I got to know a lot of the editors and still friends with a lot of the editors from the art. I'm really good personal friends with them. And because uh, I'm fascinated by their work as well. And because uh, they're really nice people. Um, and I asked the editor that worked with him, I said, was that frustrating? Because you really <laughs> had just these pieces that fit together in a very, you didn't have like, all these different ways to choose from, which is also can be fantastic, you know, mm -hmm. if you've got the right person shooting all these pieces. But he was very so specific, and he said, "No, I loved it." I said, "What?" Because I I wondered if that would be frustrating. Basically, there's one way to put it together. He loved working with them too, so it was a very different way of working, mm -hmm. very economical, but wild at the same time. A very interesting. Uh, very interesting being on the set with that. Uh, so you, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, Ellen, that you uh, came back for that series finale to kind of mirror a little bit of what you did uh, in the pilot episode. Um, how did that, I know you kind of mentioned it was John Wells' idea. How did that come about as far as him getting you involved? Like, what was that phone call or that conversation like? And then how was it for you as Ellen going back to that place after so many years away? Was it like going back to high school or like going back and seeing how things had changed and how different everything was? Uh, my agent called and said that John Wells uh, wanted me to um, come back and do the finale and I was thrilled and then of course it was really fun when I saw the script and saw it was an homage to the pilot, you know, and it kind of touches your heart in a way. And uh, I think it would have been 
more difficult if it had been um, kind of those two and three person scenes all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. If it had been in kind of the format that it, they kind of moved into more. Uh, but because it was, it was sort of in a way an homage in form to the pilot. And we were all in the same place at the same time. It really did have the feeling of a reunion. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was just so welcoming and warming and to have Rod Holcomb back to direct it made it even more so. Um, it there were people there that were series regulars that I just kind of met. You know, I mean, um, most of them I guess had been there as I was, you know, doing an occasional episode and then didn't come back for a while. But but there were people. Yeah, there were all kinds of things that had happened when I was. <laughs> off doing, uh, I, I guess, babysitting my grandchildren. Is that the excuse they gave me? Uh, the, you hadn't Something seen like that, that, yeah. I was uh, I was in a different uh, shift or something. But um, it, that would have been weird if it had been, if I'd come in and been with people that I'd never worked with before to do the finale. Right. That would have felt very odd to me. I mean, I would have been happy for the work. But what was brilliant about the way John well constructed it when he wrote it and bringing back Rod was that we were we were really reconstructing the pilot in a way after all that time and Lawrence mm -hmm. wasn't exactly waking up and realizing that you it was all a dream and <laughs> wasn't that <laughs> kind of a thing right um, but it was uh but it it was a revisiting what had made the show so special from the beginning so it was wonderful in that way I, I was grateful that it was what it was. Um, and we know that you're both still very busy and very active, but are either of you currently working on any projects and how can fans of the show keep up with your work outside of ER? Well, we, Boomers is this little sitcom. Uh, it's a, um, we actually did it with some college friends of mine as just a web series for fun. And we did a couple of seasons of uh, bless you. Thank we you. A couple of, we did a couple of seasons of uh, webisodes, as I said, just for fun, like shoestring, you know, negative budget, pretty much, uh, just for fun. And then um, it recently has been recut into three half-hour episodes hmm. uh, that, like a regular sitcom episodes, that you can get on Amazon Prime. Boomers. Three episodes starring like Genevieve and Ella Grum. Um, and uh, so that was fun. Goofy and fun. If you want something goofy, it's 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 that kind of thing. So they can find that. Um, I've actually been doing a lot of uh, uh, Netflix English dubbing, which I've really enjoyed. And I could do that through this part even when I was, well, some of the most houses were approved by the union that I could go in, and some of them I've just done from home. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's trying to do justice to some brilliant international performances. Uh, is, is and they put you with a real director, and they have real actors, and <laughs> uh, it's like now the future of dubbing, where you don't have just anybody do the dubbing, and you you really do try to match. Uh, match lip flaps and you try to match the emotion and I had 
great fun doing, particularly um, my first one was uh, Money Heist, La Casa de Papel, but uh, I had a lot of fun doing Marianne, which is a French horror series, if you're into Ooh. horror. I play kind of the scariest, uh, oh, I don't play, I voice in English this fantastic performance by this woman uh, who plays Marianne, basically. Uh, uh, and, uh, and then there's another one called uh, uh, Home for Christmas, which is Norwegian. Uh, and I was able to, um, to do the English dubbing for, uh, I guess she's like the Carol Burnett of Scandinavia, I was told. She's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic uh, actress. And uh, so that's a fun little series, Home for Christmas. And, and I've just been, um, and Man with No Gravity, which is Italian, but it's been a playground for me because you see these terrific performances and then you, as I say, try to do them justice. Uh, and, uh, and this, yeah, it's, it feels like a playground actually. And so that's been fun. And then they can also, uh, I think my Prolia commercial is still running somewhere. And I, uh, I, I, uh, it's a medication that I, if you've seen the Samuel Adams wedding spot, <laughs> you'll see me on that also. Uh, so it's like what I said about how you take, you do work in whatever areas. And then we've been doing reading some plays and some screenplays during this time for you know, future things that are being considered. Uh, Zoom things like this where you're reading with people. So nothing to report at the moment for that. Uh, uh, oh, but Michael did one uh, during the, he, you did a, a monologue that is also available. I have a, have a writer friend who lives in New York, Michael on A-H-N. And on his Instagram and Facebook, he's been putting together these monologues uh, that he's written that he has actor friends of his perform. And I know him for a long time. And his basic business is he's a consultant. He's a narrative consultant for primarily people that are on trial. Mm. He helped them put their stories, their 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 narratives together for testimony, mm -hmm. and, and he also does it for like you know nonprofits and stuff like that. But he decided to get back to something a little bit more creative, and so I did one like two minute one for him that's up on Facebook on his uh, Facebook page. Michael on A H N. And and then there are a couple of other. Uh, uh, actresses uh, and and actors that he's done. One one is by uh, a, a woman that I worked with a long time ago, June Liu. Uh, I worked with her on a project decades ago called Angel Island. Uh, that was a, a a PBS like made for TV movie, but I've been kind of quiet. Uh, the last thing that I did was. Uh, a production of Arsenic and Old Lace right at the beginning of the year before the pandemic hit down at uh, a theater in uh, uh, Orange County, Southern California, the La Mirada 
Center for the Performing Arts that, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the, the Kathy Rigby. Kathy Rigby and her husband are the, the artistic directors. So, but, but otherwise it's been quiet for me. Well, it's been kind of quiet for everybody in the last- it's true, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. We've been working, we've been yeah. working. Lastly, we tend to, we like to ask everyone this question. Uh, what do you think it's important for fans to of ER to know about the show from both of your unique perspectives? Like, so in other words, when you think back to your time on the show, what would you want people to know about the experience that wouldn't necessarily be clear from just watching it? It was a quality show and it was for the most part, a really good workplace to be able to create and they gave you the room to create and they gave you the situation to create, have fun, do your job. And it employed over 5,000 actors. Love that. 5,000 actors. That doesn't count the background. Mm -hmm. Union what? used. Five thousand over five thousand actors plus the union background that it employed, plus all of the union crew. It 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 was it was it was that whatever you call it, cash cow. <laughs> and and I mean you look at you look at just about anybody's resume, you know, out here, and you're gonna see. ER, like you did an episode of ER, and I was looking yesterday. I was trying to find uh, an actor that I worked with, Keen Curtis, who I had worked with on some radio plays, uh, Eugene O'Neill uh, uh, plays about the sea that he wrote, and I had worked with Keen Curtis on that. And I remember one of the episodes; he was on the gurney that I brought in. And in, in sort of looking for his name, it was like, you know, there must have been, I don't know, 30, 40 actors who did like three episodes a piece. And, you know, another 20 that did two episodes a piece. But yeah, over 5,000 actors, not counting background union, not counting all of the crew people, just, you know. I would say that thinking about ER, of course, I mean, it changed a lot of lives. I mean, it certainly changed my life. Uh, I think it, it changed the way people look at the people doing that work, which is really super important. But besides the fact that I think it was an extraordinary show in, in both artistically and in, in informationally, um, certainly made a financial difference in my life, obviously. Um, but I think it's, if, if nothing else happened, I have friends that will be friends my entire life that are like family to me. Um, and that's real. I mean, if you felt that when you watched it, that's real. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I'm still, you know, particularly the nurses, we still, our, our friends, um, Michael's, Connie Marie's daughter's godfather, 
Yeah, Cece is the godmother and he's the godfather. Um, I mentioned that, um, you know, Yvette and I are very, very like sisters. And, uh, and I think that that sort of experience of having that kind of family from a show, um, people should know is, is, is very real. Mm -hmm.